0: Welcome to the podcast. Today, we're talking about how to avoid conflict and power struggle with our emotionally intent kids. I'm sure this will resonate to a lot of you. (laughs) To do so, we're receiving a guest, uh, Afsani Moradian, She's an homeschooling coach and author of a picture book for kids that has been um, sold in 10,000 copies internationally and is in many, many classrooms. As a homeschooling coach, she guides adults by giving them the language to communicate effectively with their children, empowering them to create learning spaces that are safe and inclusive so children can thrive. She is a doctoral candidate in education and has a master's in education. As an educator and curriculum writer for over 20 years, she has worked with hundreds of students from preschool to graduate level. Uh, She also has led various teacher training workshops and has appeared in many, many places and is the host of the Durable Diverse Homeschooling Summit. She enjoys homeschooling her unique child and drinking iced matchi matcha days mm. <laughs> Let's dive in! Welcome to Parenting the Intensity, where we'll talk all about how we can drop the general parenting advice that doesn't work with our emotionally intense kids anyway, and let go of the unrealistic expectations society puts on us as parents. Together, we'll find solutions and ideas that work for you and your kids. Chances are, deep down, you know what you need, but you need a little encouragement to keep going on harder days and permission to do things differently and help you fully trust that you already are a wonderful parent to your exceptional, but challenging kids. Do you read all the things, listen to all the things, take all the courses, and you know a lot of things about parenting, but you struggle to actually apply them in your real life? Then you're in luck. I just started the Parenting the Intensity community, which is a uh, monthly group support for parents of emotionally intense kids, and the goal is exactly that, to take all the information you learn from the podcast and from all the other sources and Adapt them so that it works for your child and your family, your reality. Because things can work, but not always the same way for everybody. So the same thing might need to be adapted to work for you. And sometimes it's, it's hard to sort through everything to choose the right things that so that you can really enjoy your life and your kids not always being afraid of the next outburst. You can join by clicking on the link uh, in the show notes or on the website. So welcome, Assane, over on the podcast. I'm really glad to have you here because we'll talk about things that I'm asked a lot about. Um, So I'm really glad to have you over.
1: Thank you so much for having me.
0: Um, so first, can you start by telling a little about yourself and why you do what you do?
1: Sure. My name is Abstine Maradian. I'm the founder of MLC Homeschool Coaching, and I'm a children's author. And um I got into both homeschooling, homeschool coaching, well all three, and being a children's author because of my child. I have a very unique child who needed, all sorts of things that they couldn't get from preschool that they couldn't find in the picture books that we had available. And I've just basically motherhood for me has really been about creating spaces and media and learning experiences and, you know, just trying to figure out how to give my own child really what they need and, um, you know, how to help them thrive in their life. So that's sort of Altered the course of what I was doing. <laughs> I mean, I've been—I am a longtime educator, but certainly um, did not have a plan to be a picture book author and uh, a homeschooling coach.
0: So, yeah, I think that's pretty rare that we start our life as a four-year-old framing that. <laughs> <laughs> um. So yeah, the the most of what we're we plan on talking about, and we often branch out, but is how to avoid the power struggle with our emotionally intense kids. And I think that's a problem that all parents run into. But when you have an emotionally, emotionally intense children, I don't I have some problem speaking today. When you have emotionally intense kids, it's even worse. And it's like all the time and it's very hard to avoid. So I'm really glad that you're here to help us with that today. So, yeah. what 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 will you do? Like, I think we all start any discussion, any we ask something to our child, and really often it will spiral really
1: fast. <laughs> how could we avoid that? <laughs> so there's there's two parts of it, right? One is the communication piece of you know when your child says no, how do you respond? Mm-hmm. But if I just start with like the script. And the words you can say, I think that kind of misses it kind of misses it a little bit because yeah. I think the real starting point is how are you feeling? Are you tired? Are you hungry? Are you, you know, are you do you have your needs met during the day? Are you mm-hmm. set up to be able to calmly enter uh, you know, this kind of tough conversation with your child? Because mm-hmm. I, I think it's really. I think it's really asking for too much if, you know, we are tired, we're hungry, we are so frustrated, we, you know, all of that is going on. So, you know, that's a, ba- a really basic thing with kids too. If someone is hungry or really tired, it's really hard to be your best. So, mm-hmm. I think, you know, you can always start with with that. How are you feeling? And then the other thing that you really need to be very aware of is How do you feel and what do you think when your child says no? Because at this point, if you're dealing with power struggles a lot, you absolutely have a narrative going on. My child doesn't respect me. My child doesn't listen to me. My child is um, trying to manipulate me. My child is testing me. My child is testing my boundaries or testing the limits. So there's definitely something that you think. When your child says no, Mm -hmm. and then you're going to respond based on what you think about what they're saying. And that is a really important thing to be aware of because it's like we write these narratives, right? Like, and we do this in all of our relationships. So, you know, my husband went through a really tough time with our child. My child is very difficult. If you say, please get your shoes on that's not happening. Get your shoes on. It's time. It's not happening. Like my kid is not, like I see some parents say, go get your shoes on. And the kids go get their shoes on. It's like, how? How is that
0: possible? I know. And I just, (laughs) I want to pose there because I think that's the experience of so many listeners. Like, yes, some kids do that on the first ask, but not ours. Let's be honest. Like most of them don't do that. And for many reasons, like different children might have different reasons not to comply when we ask something, but this is the, the normal experience of, I think, everybody listening right now.
1: <laughs> right, right. So then, and then how do you feel? How does it make you feel? So that's yeah. really important. So, you know, when my child was younger and my husband wasn't so used to dealing with a very intense, mm-hmm. independent thinking child and, you know, go get your shoes on no, or later. Yeah, 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 later, right? And then it like doesn't happen until there's a big power struggle going on. And he would just feel so rejected. And he would say, you know, they don't want me. They don't want me to be their parent. They don't want to listen to me. They don't want me. Mm-hmm. So whenever my child didn't comply, he felt rejected. And then he had this whole narrative, this whole story written in his head about how that, that his child, was rejecting him, and then he would just feel bad about himself. And what's really going on, though, this is why it's so important to become aware of how you're thinking, because the real story is so different. What your child is experiencing has nothing to do with you. Children are the centers of their own universes. They are not (laughs) thinking about you. They are thinking about the thing that they need to do before they're in a space to put their shoes on. So you say put your shoes on because you know that it's the time, now Hello. it's the time to leave. Mm-hmm. But for them, oh, but they really just need to finish building that Lego house or they, you know, need to find the socks that they want to wear today or the shoes that they want because the ones that you chose Are kind not of the right hurt a little bit. or Yeah, yeah like they have very good reasons for not being ready yet. So if you, if you just, you know, have your feelings about it and your narrative about it and you sit in that and then they do that. And all it does is like, is, is poke your emotions, right? Mm-hmm. Like you're already not feeling great about the situation and then they, they do that. And then that's it. Oh my God. Again, yeah. again, they're testing mm-hmm. the limits again. They're you and know not listening, those, right?
0: Those feelings that that's, we have, I think they're coming a lot from parenting culture. Like that's what we hear all the time. Your child's not listening is is testing your limit. Your child's not listening right. he's a uh, manipulative and like things like that. And that's yes. things that we hear all the time. We see that on social media, all like all over social media, and people around us are telling us that parent training are telling us that it's a message that is so ingrained in ourselves from that parenting culture. It becomes our inner inner dialogue, basically. Right.
1: Yeah, and it's it's very us versus them. And it's very like, we're the authority and they have to do what we say. And if they're not, then there's a problem. And it's, you know, kids don't really appreciate that. You didn't appreciate that when you were a kid. I didn't, you know, nope. nobody wants to be yelled at. It doesn't feel good. It doesn't feel good to do the yelling. None of it feels good. So if you, if you first like really figure out how, what's going on with you, Like I said, are you really tired? If you're really tired, you're going to have a very short fuse Mm -hmm. and it's okay. It's okay because then you can always apologize or you can say, you know what, I'm really tired right now. I just need you to get your shoes on. But I have to tell you, if you have a neurodivergent child, it doesn't matter what you need. They're not going to be able to do what you're asking them to do until they are able to. And so the the path of least resistance, the fastest way, like people don't believe me, the fastest way to get out of the house is to ask, you know, if they say, oh, not yet or not now, say, how can I help you? Why not? And mm-hmm. Actually like finding out what's going on with them. Maybe the shoelace has a knot in it and they can't undo it. And so there's going to be a whole power struggle, but mm-hmm. they can't take the knot out of the shoelace to do it, which is just, it just gets very upsetting for everybody. Yeah. Yeah. So finding out what is stopping them from being able to do what you're asking and then seeing if you can help or what you can do to support them, getting through that to yeah. get their shoes on and get out of the house is so much faster than a power struggle. It's just, it's <laughs> so much faster. It takes does feel a lot better. Of patience <laughs> does feel yeah, much it better. Ta- it, takes a, <laughs> it takes a lot of patience. It takes yeah. a lot of patience to do it. It takes a lot of patience. To say, okay, I'm feeling the way that I'm feeling, but that has nothing to do with what my child is feeling. Like mm-hmm. my child is having their own experience. And we know we know this, you know, people talk about, if you think about like, you know, if you have a conflict with your partner or with a best friend, everyone has experienced that conversation completely differently. Yeah. And that's what's going on when there's a power circle. Your child is having their own experience, their own stuff. So can you imagine, you know? There's a whole power struggle going on. And from the kid's point of view, like I had a knot in my shoelace and I couldn't take it out. And I, you know, my mom just started yelling at me to get my shoes on and I couldn't do it. You know, it's like, <laughs> what? what's the kid supposed to do? So, you know, we're not bad people. Like I said, it really starts with like, how are you feeling? Because mm-hmm. if you're tired, if you're overwhelmed, if you're stressed, if you're frustrated in general, and then your child's, you know them not complying is more than you're able to handle. And I've absolutely had those moments where it's like, I don't, I don't have the capacity to deal with whatever needs to happen for me to help my kid get their shoes on. And that's the, those days where it's like, you know what, we have to leave. You can, you know, I'll put your shoes in the car. You can get them on later, you know, like, letting go, or even I've said, you know, yeah. I've even said like, if you really don't want to wear shoes, do you want to like go out in the world and experience why humans invented shoes to protect their feet? Like, <laughs> do you want to have that experience yourself? Cause it's, if you need to, that's okay with me, you know? So, but usually there's something else going on, something mm-hmm. that they need to finish or they need to do first or, you know, so it's, it goes a lot faster. It's a lot easier to just kind of have a, give a show of respect. Like, Oh, why not? Well, we need to go, You know, it always helps if you're not late. Yes. (laughs) It helps to try to get ready to leave, you know, maybe 15 minutes early. So maybe you're five minutes late, you know, like giving that extra time. And it's just really hard. We're not robots. Our kids aren't robots. It's really hard. But if you can kind of remember that they're having their own experience too Mm -hmm. and try to find out what's going on with them, then you don't need to get into the power struggles and things can go a lot faster Yeah. make a
0: world of, of difference when you are taking the time but that means you need to be able to take the time <laughs> that's the hard right. part i think uh, right right yeah because often we don't pl- we, we we there's other things coming up that we'll take our time and I can say, like with three kids, there's always something going on. And when one's ready, the other one's not ready, and then you're waiting and... for one, and then the other one started something else while you we were waiting. So there's always something. Right. Going on.
1: But that that moment when you when you walk to the car, and you realize no one's behind you. <laughs> I mean, what happened? Where did I lose them all? We were all in the entryway a second ago. <laughs> and you just you know, and then you, so I, I always say like, I want to be the last one going down the stairs. you know, I want to be the last one headed to the car. Like, you know, because it's it's at those moments, but they're not, you know, our kids are not doing anything against us. They honestly are not thinking about us at all, which becomes a problem. It's like, I'm so tired. Could you just think about me right now? Like I'm (laughs) sick. Could you just help me out? But they just, they're kids developmentally. They don't think about us. It's not their job. Mm -hmm. They are thinking about like, oh, I need my notebook. Oh, where's that? Where's that eraser that I haven't seen in three years that I really want to have now for the car ride? You know, like, that's, that's what's going on in their heads, right? So it just, if you have that information, it's easier for you to become a little, you know, I'm not saying impatient, because it's annoying, you're trying to leave, and they need to find an eraser that they haven't used or cared about, right? But (laughs) It, at least you know they're looking for an eraser, and if you know where it is and you can get it, yeah. things that then they can get in the car. So that's yeah. really like what is what are the obstacles? If you remove the obstacles, then they can do what you're asking. Mm-hmm. So that's another way of looking at it, rather than like a us versus them. And you know, neurodivergent kids do not respond well to arbitrary orders. Mm-hmm. You know, if it seems arbitrary, then it's like your you're just deciding they have to do something. There's no meaning, there's no reason, there's no real purpose. And it's it's going to be very difficult for them to do it. So and, I mean, and I we are very tired as adults. Yeah. yeah. And it. I think it's interesting because oftentimes
0: what doesn't work at all for neurodivergent kids can work for neurotypical kids, but what works yes. for neurodivergent kids also works with neurotypical kids. Like it's just that they need it more and it's just a no choice when you have a neurodivergent child. But when everything that you use can also work for neurotypical, it's just that they're more compliant in general. And but and also there's other things that are not necessarily neurodivergent that can also impact the kids in the same way. Like trauma, for example, will impact. Right. The kids in a similar way than neurodivergence or anxiety will also impact them in the same way sure so there's a lot of things that might like everything that we suggested applies to so many children that they be neurodivergent or not just being more intense makes a lot of those kids need a different approach and I think using that as Exploring, and I often say, "Play detective, found what's going on." Yes. Instead of just going forward, if you find what's going on, you're gonna. And that's a very great example and very great way, and very practical way to do it in the day to day when you have a power struggle. And also, I really love what you said about your own energy and your own like. Can you do it? And if you cannot do it, just let go of it. <laughs> Not even start the struggle. Right. <laughs>
1: Right, because a, a power struggle really it's about it's about power and mm-hmm. our kids, you know I I work with a lot of adults who say like it's not fair, my kid has all the power, mm-hmm. but their children, they actually don't have any power. you have all of the power as the adult. Mm-hmm. you can't get them to do something that they don't want to do, but that doesn't actually give them power because you can take away their screen, you can take away mm-hmm. all of their fun. It's not they're not empowered being yelled at by their parent or, you know, if it, if it gets a little physical, right. If you lose control and it gets physical, that's not empowering to them. That's actually the opposite. Mm -hmm. So it's really tough to remember in those moments because our kids, they really dig their heels in, they say no, and they mean it. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, are you going to get them to comply with some kind of force be it, you know, your words or, taking away, you know, threatening, threatening to take away their phone or whatever, Mm -hmm. or even physical force or not. So, you know, the real, the, the essence of a power struggle, it's really, it's that it's force, Mm -hmm. which is the opposite of, you know, open communication. Yeah. What's going on with you? Why not? Why can't you? Mm -hmm. And like I, like I said, it really matters how you're set up to go into those situations because it is a lot more work to stay calm. It is it requires saying hundreds if not thousands of words. <laughs> We're going to do this today and here's why and here's what you're going to need to do and yeah. that, you know you have to explain everything. You have to it yeah. give the reason. You have to you know it, it's a lot more work, but it feels a lot better and it it means a lot for the connection that you have with them because it It's like getting your child to do something, um, begrudgingly, out of fear or out of sadness or out of you know not wanting to lose something is very different than doing it because they know that this is something they need to do. Mm -hmm. Those are those are very different. And because they want
0: to do it at some point, even if it's not now, because now they have something else to do, but they do want. And most children want to please us, but don't necessarily want to do it right now when on our time right. schedule basically
1: <laughs> right exactly exactly so that's that's really what it what it comes down to and yeah. then you know there's like longer term implications right like yes. do we brush our teeth because our parents yelled at us to brush our teeth or do we brush our teeth because we don't want cavities mm-hmm. you know i turn the lights off you know automatically because i got yelled at that was something that made my mom so upset if the lights were left on so it's mm-hmm. like you know, like almost like a trauma response, like turn the light off. <laughs> and but like, wouldn't it be better if I turn the lights off to save energy because of electricity bill? You know, so mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I mean, maybe for some for some adults it doesn't matter as long as the lights are turned off, right? But I think I think it does matter because these these turn into life skills and how we approach taking care of ourselves as adults. Mm-hmm. And it really needs to be out of self love and out of the knowledge of why and how rather than you know, that sort of fear that gets left yeah. over, you know, ingrained in us. Doing it because from... we
0: need to do it. It's the same as like, yeah. does people follow um, like the, lim- the like the speed limit on the road because they're afraid of police or because it's dangerous? Like right. if, if you do it because of the police, you're always going to be dangerous underworld. the If you do it because you know it's not safe, then you're going to respect the limits, be it a police officer or not. Yeah. <laughs> right so that's basically the same thing but apply to parenthood like if when the day when your children are not like when I know I I have two teens at some point like I cannot make sure they brush their teeth and wash their hands when they go to the bathroom each time they do so like if they haven't integrated that as a life skill for themselves I cannot control it to some extent right. like we lose that control completely on our children at some point (laughs) for sure. And do you have any like suggestion for parents to stay regulated and stay calm when it's very hard to do so?
1: (laughs) Well, I do. I do think it matters to look at, you know, how you're feeling and how you're set, how you're setting yourself up, which Mm -hmm. somewhat is in your control and somewhat not. And sometimes there's structural changes that need to be made adjustments to bedtimes or, you know making sure you get some quiet time to recharge or you know really looking at what is missing that you need i think staying calm really helps when you when you remind yourself over and over and over again this is not about you all of the feelings the emotions that come into your head you have to really push them aside and be able to just focus on you know this is a child in distress this is a child going into crisis. This is a child that has something real happening with them. Mm-hmm. And so it's really, that's, that I think is the hardest part, but you have to really remind yourself of that and stay very focused on them, not you, to find out what they need and be able to, you know, even in the midst of a conflict, to be able to just give them a hug, yeah. to just really see this child is very, is upset right now. This child is not okay right now. And you as an adult, you're okay. You're okay. Mm-hmm. You've made it this far. You have a family. You have, you know, your life. You're you're okay. This kid is not okay. This is a child. This child, as angry as you are with them and as justified as you are to be angry, they need a hug. They need love. They need your support. Mm-hmm. You're their parent. You know, mm-hmm. you're the most important in their life. So I think if you really just can kind of, you know, understand how you're feeling. Those are just feelings. Those are just thoughts. It's not necessarily the the real yep. situation happening and just focus on them. And, you know, I mean, my husband has to take a lot of deep breaths. It is very hard for him to be in those situations and stay calm. It's very hard. So, you know, maybe you need to take deep breaths. Maybe you need to walk away for a minute and, you know, say, you know what, like, I don't think it's good for us to have this conversation. Let's, Mm -hmm. I'm going to come back. Yeah. Yeah. Like, why don't you do that? I'm going to go to my room. I'm going to, you know, give yourself a timeout. Mm -hmm. Your kid will get the biggest kick out of it. You know what? I am not, I am not able to do this right now. I'm going to put myself in timeout and I will see you in, you know, three minutes (laughs) You know, and maybe you need to call a friend. Maybe you need to, you know, send me a message. Maybe you need to just, you know, listen to some music or just, you know, Whatever you, whatever works for you. Yeah.
0: Anything that helps ourselves calm down for, for that moment, it can be like, yeah, anything that works. That's important. That's the important part.
1: (laughs) So unfortunately our intense kids didn't come from, you know, they didn't, they didn't come from the air, right? We, we probably are intense too. So, (laughs) you know, we like, we are adding to the intensity of the situation, whether or not we know we are, whether or not we want to. We are making it, you know, you can't have a power struggle without another person. It's just not. If one person (laughs) refuses to engage in the power struggle, there's no power struggle. Definitely. So,
0: and I can definitely vouch for the fact that I I had lots of power struggle, especially with my older one for, for years and that the power struggle didn't stop because he grew up. The power struggle stopped because I changed the way I was dealing with this power power struggle and I stopped engaging in them.
1: (laughs) Right, and they disappeared. <laughs> Guess that. <laughs> right, right, and so there's like there's a, always a need. You know, sometimes kids will will poke us to get yeah. that kind of reaction because maybe they need attention, maybe they, they haven't spent that much time with us today. Maybe you know, mm-hmm. I, when I need to work, my child becomes the neediest human being possible. I mean, it oh, is like yes. unbearable. It's like I I like need phone calls minutes to write an email. <laughs> yeah, yes. When so you're on the phone, kids where, suddenly need That's needs where the, it's like, you know.
0: Yeah. When we're go, yeah. on the on the phones, kids suddenly need everything in the world right now.
1: <laughs> right.
0: For some reason. So that's
1: where that's where it's like, okay, what's the what's the bigger picture going on? What does the rest of the day look like? Why, you know, what is the need? What kind of conversation? And it seems so like intense and unbearable at times, but really words are so powerful. And you really can use communication to change the dynamic completely and change mm-hmm. the, the connection also. So it's really, it's it's pretty amazing. It's just, it's hard. It's hard to know what to say and how to say it and all of that. And that's why, yeah, that's why there are coaches. <laughs> that's why there are, <laughs> yeah, are professionals to help you, right? Definitely. <laughs> right?
0: And yeah. um, speaking of which, you do homeschool coaching. And I think that when we have, emotionally intense kids or kids with special needs of any sorts Um, and probably even more real like now that after the pandemic where everybody basically experienced homeschooling to some extent um, it became an option for more people and sometimes the decision to homeschool is very hard to do to take Um, and so if someone listening is on the fence and wondering if homeschooling is the right choice why what would you say are the positive or negative aspects of homeschooling emotionally intense kids
1: yeah so first I want to say I am not a homeschooling um I don't think it's for everyone so if your child is doing well at school leave them in school you don't have to homeschool because I know it seems very exciting and everyone's doing it (laughs) but really if you're if your kid's good at school it's fine. Okay. Mm -hmm. So that's the first thing I want to say. If they're not, if school is not working for them and you have the ability, the the time, you know, if you work from home or if you can be home, if you have the ability to do it, homeschooling is this incredible opportunity where it's not schooling at home. You're not reproducing the classroom at home. I think that's Mm -hmm. a very common misconception. It is this incredible opportunity to create a customized learning experience that takes into account your child's anxieties, learning needs, passions, interests, all, you know, all of that to create a completely unique learning experience where they can really learn, really love all those skills that were taught at school. They mm-hmm. can actually love doing that stuff, not, you know, sit down and do math problems. Here's a work, here's a math worksheet. Mm-hmm. Some kids like math worksheets. For some yeah. kids, it's torture, right? Yeah. So really figuring out what the best experience is for them, you just you have the ability to create the type of educational experience that costs like sixty thousand dollars a year at the top private schools in New York City. Like mm-hmm. you have this ability to give this incredibly intellectually challenging, Expressive, creative, critical thinking, independent thinking, learning experience that is really hard to get in a mainstream school these days. And it's the kind of thing that leads to so many opportunities and possibilities for the future. So I think that that is really the beauty and the amazing aspect of homeschooling. And I think unfortunately, a lot of families don't get to experience that because. They, you know, say, oh, okay, I'll just buy that curriculum and that's what we do. You mm-hmm. know, they it's still divided into different subjects and it's like, you know, school at home. And if that works, that's fantastic. And when it doesn't work, people come to me because they need this unique experience yeah. that's really as unique as their child. Taylor. And yes. And that really is like so different than what we had at school, mm-hmm. but absolutely possible. There's so many different approaches to education. And there's just really, you know, just endless, fantastic opportunities. Yeah.
0: Yeah. I think sometimes that part can definitely be overwhelming too, because there's so many opportunities, so many possibilities to (laughs) approach homeschooling. But I also think it's important to, to remember that some of our kids are just, they don't feel good at all. And I, I'm sure that will resonate with many listeners. I have some, specific people in mind like they they add some so difficult experiences in school and some years works well because some teachers are wonderful and some years it's not working at all yeah and I think having also the the option to homeschool school if it's something that's doable for for the families it's also freeing to some extent because you don't feel as trapped in the school system and uh, you don't feel as trapped and your child doesn't feel as trapped. And sometimes just, it gives you the opportunity to like, okay, I'm going to try. And if it doesn't work, I have an exit strategy. Sure. You know, like it's it, if, if, if it's not working for our children in school, we're not trapped. It's because sometimes it feels so powerless to say like, it's not working in school and I cannot do anything. That feeling is I... really hard. And so having that option to home school and thinking like, if my children cannot, Do well in school; it's not the end of the world. There's another option.
1: (laughs) Oh, right, absolutely. It's it's really a quality of life issue, also. So, if your kids are in school and maybe they don't complain about being in school, but then when they're home, it's endless fights over homework. Yeah, it's you know endless battles about you know organization and getting calls home from the teacher that they don't turn their work in and they don't have all these materials for the projects and you know it's like how is it affecting your relationship with your child also? Mm -hmm. So that, I mean, that was the deciding factor for me about homeschooling. My kid was a model student, but being in an academic preschool took everything out of them to Mm -hmm. follow directions and do what was asked so that the second we got home, it was, you know, I can't, I don't want to be told what to do at all in Mm -hmm. any way. And it was the worst It was just the, really the, you know, I got the worst of my kid. Yeah, yeah. And I, you know, it's like, what relationship were we going to have if I was Mm going to spend my whole afternoon saying, you know, don't hang from the chandelier. (laughs) (laughs) It was like, just absolutely, I can't take it anymore. You know, my kid really couldn't handle it. And I just Mm -hmm. said, you know, what am I, what am I going to do? Am I going to let my kid be broken? Are we going to have this horrible relationship every afternoon just to be in school or... Mm-hmm. you know, do I care more about our relationship and our connection? Yeah. And, and then the learning can flow from that.
0: Yeah. I think that's very important because like, and I have the two models and I think lots of parents can have like, there's those children who just don't do well in school. They are disruptive. They don't follow direction mm-hmm. in school. Like at the, the school is always calling you because this child is doing something. And there's also those kids that are doing well at school and if you ask the school they will tell you that child goes well they have average grades and they're following direction but if they're completely losing it when they go back home it's because most of the time school is just too much and they're using all of that energy that they have to keep it together at school and when they come back home they just melt into a puddle and they just are not functioning and sometimes that's also a sign that we might miss because they might not complain about school. They might be okay with school, we don't get called up by the school, but then it's not going at all. Like nothing's going well at home. So we're less prone to think, oh, the school is the problem when when that happens, you know? <laughs> but it, it it is, it can definitely be the school, even if everything is happening at home. And most likely it's the school, not that something is going bad, but just the school is asking too much of that child.
1: Sure. Or it's just too stimulating. There's too much, there's too many kids, you know, for anyone with auditory processing, it's just loud. There's a lot going on. There's a lot of visual stimulation. There's a lot being thrown at you for anxiety. Mm -hmm. Do you know what, what page you're supposed to be on? Are you mm-hmm. going to get called on to read out loud? Yeah, no, I think, I think you know, having open communication as much as possible is really important. The more that you can find out what your child is experiencing when it comes to anything, then you can make an empowered decision mm-hmm. that you know is going to be better for them and hopefully for you. Mm-hmm. But homeschooling really is a balance. So I think it is, an, you know... Like I said, the beauty of homeschooling is the openness, the flexibility to make it so personalized Mm -hmm. that becomes amazing. But it also has to work for you. If it's a struggle for you, it's a struggle for your child. If they're struggling with it, you know, what we want to do is we want want to um, remove any anxiety or any emotional complications from learning. We want Mm -hmm. our kids to learn in safe, comfortable environments. So that they learn, you know, really beyond their potential, essentially, that's what we want from their learning. So what does that mean? So it could mean a different classroom, it could mean a different school, it could mean homeschooling, it could mean you need to change the way you're homeschooling, it could mean, you know, making Mm -hmm. structural changes. And, you know, for teenagers, I don't recommend homeschooling at nine in the morning, let them sleep. (laughs) <laughs> they are growing. You can do school in the, you know, it really to homeschool in that sort of way really is to set aside all of the expectations, everything that you know about schooling, everything that society says is supposed to happen, mm-hmm. everything even what other homeschooling families are doing. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I don't I don't really like to say what's going well in our homeschooling life, because I know that for some families that would seem impossible and make them feel bad. And for Mm -hmm. other families, they might judge, Oh, that's, that's all you're doing. You know, so I don't really want to get into that. So if it feels good on our end and I see my kid advancing, that's great. If Mm -hmm. it's, you know, if there are power struggles or resistance, or, you know, they don't feel good doing something, then it's up to the parent, figure out how to change that to make Mm. it work better so i do i do think homeschooling should absolutely be seen as an option if you can afford to do it you know Mm. if you can figure out the logistics of it
0: yeah because it's still it still can be complicated for many families and for many families it's just not an option at all but if it is it can definitely feel like less of a trap than having to stay in school and I, i i think also you touch on like homework some families will just on work altogether so they can keep a relationship that is yeah. positive with their children because homework are just too much of a power struggle or it's too much and some school will like if you can talk with the teachers if you can talk with the school sometimes it's possible to have that as like a, a like the plan of your children for like accommodation sometimes it's not and it might be a bit more complicated <laughs> right but it's also like not thinking that everything that you should be doing, you have to do as parents. Like when it's school related, can also be helpful. Like looking at other options. It's there's no real proof that, for example, homeworks are absolutely essential in learning. It it can come in so many different ways. So you can, to some extent, apply some principle of homeschooling to. Oh, to the, the homework and no, not doing right. homework or doing homework in an homeschooling approach, which is learning and integrating the same thing, but in another way than doing the sheets that the school sent home, for example. So I think it's interesting to think of it all outside of the box a little bit.
1: <laughs> Definitely. And it, it ties back to what we were talking about before. So really when your child says no, mm-hmm. be it homework or a homeschooling assignment or getting shoes on, you have to trust that they're saying no for a real reason, and then try to figure out what that reason is. Mm-hmm. So that mm-hmm. that helps you then figure out what they need, what they're learning, because you know the the teachers and the administrators. Yeah, I mean, I I was a teacher. I have you know I'm a doctoral candidate in education. I'm a curriculum writer. I you know I know all sorts <laughs> of things about this, but there is a way that education is approached in a classroom. And that is very different than how education is approached for an individual. Of course. And the classroom can't meet the needs of individuals in most cases, right? So they're going to come at it from their perspective of managing, you know, 25 to 35 bodies in their classroom, right? And is your child making that easier or harder for them? That's what it comes down to. Mm -hmm. Not really what kind of learning they need. And so that rather than like get into those struggles around homework or whatever. It's really to find out like, well, why can't you do this? Why isn't this working? Mm -hmm. And then to go to the teacher and, you know, teachers are just people and Mm -hmm. some are going to be flexible and understanding and some aren't. And that's, Mm -hmm. we can't do anything about that. So I think it's really important. Like you said, not to feel stuck, you know, to know that there are options. I definitely, I felt stuck and trapped as a homeschooling parent, actually, Mm -hmm. in the beginning when it was so tough and I didn't know, what to do. And I had to figure it out. that's why I became a homeschooling coach. Like, I don't mm-hmm. want other people to be in this situation. I'd rather help them. Yeah. So it's not good to feel trapped. As soon as something feels like you're stuck or you're trapped, that should send off alarms that you have to figure out why, and mm-hmm. then figure out what to do about it. Mm-hmm. You know, and definitely applies, take action.
0: Yeah. And that applies to everything, be it homeschooling, yeah. schoolwork, or power struggle. So I really love it ties it all together. <laughs> yeah. Thank you so much. Um before we finish up, is there any uh, resource that you love, books or blogs or other people that you know that you want to share with um
1: with the community? Absolutely. So if you do not know about Ross Green and his books, yeah, absolutely check out especially the book, The Explosive. In the very beginning of the book, there's a list of skills that every human needs to have in order to engage in healthy communication. Mm -hmm. And it is really important because as adults, I think as most of us as adults, we're probably missing a couple of those skills. Yeah, Some more than others. I read Mm -hmm. that with my husband. I was like, wow, I don't know if he has any of these. (laughs) It was a little... (laughs) He's not going to hear this podcast, so I can say that. (laughs) It was like, wow, he really, you know, he missed out when he was a kid on learning a bunch of this stuff. We don't don't learn
0: we don't learn those skills. Like it's not that's not thought in school.
1: (laughs) Right. And so I realized, like, oh, in this case, I think he's more the explosive child than my child is. You know, it was really helpful to read that. And it does it gives it gives you um a foundational understanding, but then there's also like like actual scripts to go through of how to use a different approach to communication, asking questions, really trying to figure things out rather than just Mm -hmm. reacting. Mm It's a very, very good book that I think everybody, I think it should really be like for all parents to read this book. But agree that that list of skills is super helpful because in the moment when you are watching, you know, if you kind of watch yourself with your child, yeah. You can say, oh, okay, my child hasn't developed this skill yet. Mm-hmm. I need it's it's my job to help them develop these skills, right? Mm-hmm. Or if I can't, then is there, you know, a professional that mm-hmm. I can bring into our lives who can help my child develop these skills? Mm-hmm. Or I really need to focus on these skills that are harder for me. Mm-hmm. Skills are just. Um, You're not born with them. You have to practice them and they have to be developed, which means that we can develop them as adults and our kids will develop them. But there has to be a process put in place to develop and practice those skills.
0: Yeah. So that you need to know that you need to practice and learn those skills to be able to do
1: so. (laughs) Exactly. Exactly. So I highly recommend the explosive child by Ross Green. I think it's very helpful.
0: Definitely a great, a great recommendation. So thank you very much. If parents want to learn more, if they're already homeschooling, or they are thinking about homeschooling and would love some support, where do they can find you?
1: Sure. My website is mlccoaching.com and um MLC Homeschool Coaching is a Facebook page and um is Instagram, and you can send me a DM and I'll read them and I'll reply. And um, I'm definitely here if you're having any crises, struggles, you know, I deal with the the major difficulties with homeschooling. That's when people come to me. So (laughs) the communication, communication, planning and connection are my, the three things I focus on.
0: Great, great. So we'll put all the links in the show notes so people can easily reach out to you. So thank you very much for being here today. It was very uh, nice talking to you. Thank you for having me. I'm so glad you joined me today and took that time out of your intense life to focus on finding a new way to parent that works for you and your kids. To get the episodes as soon as they drop, make sure to subscribe to the podcast and please leave everything in review so other parents can find it too. Also check out all the free resources on my website at familymoments.ca so you can take action on what's the most important for you right now and take a deep breath, keep going. We're all in this together.